Hello, hello, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. I am joined, as always, by Marty Agather. Marty, what's going on, man? Hey, it is uh, it is a beautiful day here in the city. Uh, little high cirrus clouds, but it's below zero. So, uh, welcome to Minnesota in the winter. Marty, so I was listening to the last episode that we did, and I realized that out of the 39 minutes of podcast that we published, you may have spoken for like three and a half of those minutes. So I'm going to formally say that um, I'm going to let you speak for more than three and a half minutes today. Actually, this is going to be more of a Marty episode because this topic is is your topic. It's great. But- get them all to hang up right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get there, I want to share something that actually... Um, uh, we both found, we both are subscribers to the Coverger newsletter, Coverger.com. If Sheffy uh, 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 Ben Huda is, is putting this fantastic newsletter together, she's got a great site. Uh, you can go k- check it out. It's uh, Coverage, the word coverage with an R at the end, so Coverger.com. Go check it out and subscribe to the newsletter. The, the, the blog posts and the service is phenomenal and recommend you poke around, but, but the newsletter is just wonderful. And in that newsletter, uh, a lot of times she finds these interesting tweets. Um, and this one came from a woman named Joni, and it says, Hey, at Geico, are you hiring? Question mark. Because I'm doing, and all in caps, all the work with my claim. Boy, am I good. Your lack of communication is, all caps again, shocking. Hashtag DIY claim. So... <laughs> So here's the funny part. Marty dug into who this person is. She ends up being like a model because Marty's like, man, she only follows a couple people, but she's got this. So this is like a real person with a real life, a real job. And um, and I just thought it was phenomenal too. Uh, I've, I retweeted it. I liked it. And uh, if you want to check it out, you, you, you'd be hard pressed to find it today. But if you go to... Um, if you go to uh, agencynation.com forward slash podcast. Look for episode number 56. I'll embed this tweet so you can see it and share it or like it or whatever you want to do. It certainly is worth sharing with your network because one, it's hilarious. And two, I think it just calls out kind of what we all know to be true, right? I mean, nothing against, I don't want to call out the people who work for Geico. I'm sure they're all nice people, but they they present their brand as one thing. And I think there is this underlying perception, which is why they have to spend $1.1 billion on advertising, is that it's not, it's not exactly what you get when you buy it. So uh, so I thought that was fun. I thought it was really interesting. You can check it out, agencynation.com forward slash podcast. Uh, very cool. And I want to give a shout out to um, uh, Sheffy Ben Hutta over at The Coverager. Uh, her and her team are doing a phenomenal job. So make sure you subscribe to that um, to that newsletter, and I'll have a link to it. I'll link to where you can subscribe to the newsletter in the show notes as well. So, Marty. A couple, a couple, couple of things I want to get to yeah. just on that very specific point. So, number one, um, what this what this specific event shows is how the power of social media can amplify um, inappropriate responses, no matter where, but primarily since we're in the insurance field in the insurance claim process. Right. So, so this is, this isn't the first time this has happened. Progressive had a big one about, uh, 18, 24 months ago, maybe a little longer ago than that. Um, but, but this is going to be an issue. So it's something for us to be very, very aware of. Number one, number two, by absolute pure coincidence, sometimes, uh, 
Timeliness is everything. Uh, in my latest post, which we're going to get to in the second half of the show, there's actually a link to a complaint site, and by pure chance, it directs you into the complaints all about Geico. So if you need more ammunition, go check out that link in my post. Cool, cool. Okay, Marty, well, um, take us into the topic today. I think uh, I, I love, I think it's a, it's a great extension from what we were talking about last episode with Seth Godin's uh, um, awareness threshold. Uh, so so what, what what's this all about? Sure. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's exactly the title of the article, but the link maybe I got there was, you know, how uh, marketers get you to buy anything. And it was sort of like, holy cow, this has got to be cool. It was the four letters that marketers use to get you to buy anything. Like, whoa, I got to learn about this secret, right? So the four letters are M-A-Y-A, Maya. And um, it stands for Most Advanced Yet Acceptable. It's, it's a concept that was coined by um, a designer from back in the 20s and 30s by the name of Raymond Lowy. And uh, he was a marketer and he started doing research and um, was very into design. And so he began to sort of, he was ahead of his time. And, you know, when everything was blocky, the easiest way I can describe it to you quick is um, when you think of a steam engine like the old time, you know, Civil War steam engine with the big smokestack in front and the cab house in the back and everything else, they're pretty, you know, pretty um, unique looking, but they are in no way, shape or form aerodynamic. Well, he started doing studies and figured out how, energy efficient it would be if they streamlined locomotives. Well, that idea fell flat on its face. And the reason was because nobody could picture that a locomotive should look this way, right? So what Maya stands for, most advanced yet acceptable. So the whole concept is people, and, and you, you've got a quote there, Ryan, that I think will kick this off even better. So why don't you hit us with that quote? All right. So in the article that we're looking at, which was on the Atlantic, um, it pulls out They're They're talking about this. Um, the guy's name is yeah, Raymond Lowy. Lo Raymond Lowy. Sorry. Uh, and it said Lowy believed that customers are or consumers are torn between curiosity about a new thing and a fear of anything new. And I, you know, I'm interested to see where you go with this, Marty, because I really think it transcends basically everything that the three major constituencies in our industry are facing, right? The, the three major constituencies being consumers, agents, and carriers. And I think all three of those constituencies face this problem every single day, both in how they make their own decisions and how their clients and customers make decisions about their business. This, this article is, is, is fairly lengthy as you will attest. And, uh, I want to call out one example that um, that they bring out in this in this article is sort of an, an an example of how this process works. So, a little company that some of our listeners might have heard of called Spotify came out with a new product uh, that was designed to be a recommendation engine. So, it watched what you listened to and then um, made suggestions. This product was called Discover Weekly. And so they started this thing out and they, and they, they had some beta users and they, they had their um, staff internally 
listening to this new Dis- Discover Weekly. And some of the staff, uh, after, after a, a, a period of time, came back and they said, you know what, there's a bug in this software because it's not giving me just purely new music. Every now and again, there's something in there that I've already listened to that's one of my favorites, you know, that I've tagged or whatever. And they went, oh, man, that's not the way it's supposed to work. And they backed it up and, and, uh, started, and started over and made it 100% exclusive new music. You know what they found out? Engagement with the product went down because there wasn't that hint of familiarity. So that's an example of how this works. How does this cycle back to insurance? Well, I think to Ryan's point, it, it, it does affect all three of our segments. Let's talk about consumers first, okay? So um, there are all sorts of uh, folks who are in the process of trying to re-engineer the way insurance um, is, is purchased. And because it's not the way that insurance has been done in the past, there is resistance by consumers to do it, right? I mean, Ryan, you know the stats. Uh, what, two-thirds of business that's shopped for online is actually purchased via in-person or telephone visits, right? People are just a little bit hesitant today to push that bind button because they just want to make sure by talking to somebody. This is so, That was one of the big insights that we got out of our – and again, that is an anecdotal stat – that we got out of our conversations uh, when we were working with Google um, Compare Auto Insurance was one of the things they were finding, and they never put an official report on out on this. So this was just conversations and stuff like that. But one of the things that they were finding is as much as they were getting great engagement, and they really were. I mean, um, don't miss, don't don't make the mistake of thinking Google Compare failed because the product didn't work. It, that's not why Google Compare was shut down. Um, and actually, uh, you know, there's been some talk about uh, a relatively unannounced um, investment that Google Ventures made in Lemonade, which many of you have heard us talk about. Uh, they 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 were they put 34 million into Lemonade in a Series B. So um, so Google is not out of the insurance industry by any means. But the idea, what what we found from them is, as much as they were getting great engagement and conversion through their funnel all the way to the point of purchase, the vast majority of people that ended up purchasing a policy still wanted to talk to a human being, despite the fact that almost every carrier that was part of Google Compare had a buy now online button. People still wanted to talk to a human being. Yeah. So, so there is this hesitancy to embrace the new, right? But what this concept states is that as that new thing becomes more um, prevalent, it becomes more acceptable, okay? And every step enables the next generation of products because now what previously was too advanced is now that next level of advancement is okay because we've accepted the previous level. So I propose that consumers are going to um, I propose that consumers are going to uh, turn off their phones while they're doing podcasts. That's correct. And number two, that they are going to um, be more and more comfortable in 
adopting these new technological ways to purchase insurance. So that's from the consumer side. From the uh, from the agency side, Ryan, you and I have been sort of on uh, the disruption uh, train since probably before we started the podcast. But where we used to get tons and tons of pushback from listeners and just from the industry in general, you see what what uh, comments on other um, on other news sites and and uh, informational uh, properties. Those the the blind denial, right? The adamant denial that this can't happen because we are somehow different. Those those um, those are those denials are becoming fewer and fewer. So the fact that this new thing is, this new threat is now being perceived is another instance of uh, this. And I just saw an article yesterday that I haven't had time to dig into, but it, it was talking, I was on uh, INN or something, talking about how insurance companies... Networking.com. Yep. Uh, insurance companies are now beginning the, the the tried and true traditional insurance companies are beginning to realize that they've got to start investing um, in these capabilities themselves or they're going to be left behind so uh, interesting read um, there's all kinds of cool things about the evolution of uh, of names and and how that works and just uh, if you've got an opportunity and you have uh, sort of a twisted mind like mine you might want to read this article and of course it links will be posted yeah you know some other things to, to think about here um the insure tech is a, is a great example uh you know when we first started doing uh, first started talking about google compare almost a year and a half ago um, that was one of the big catalysts in our industry to actually uh, start to take these things seriously. There had been some talk about it before. Obviously, InsureTech's been around. InsureTech in its current form, we'll say, has been around for four or five years. These these internet, D2C um, uh, companies, uh, direct-to-consumer. Consumer could be personal or commercial. But uh, Google Compare was the one that kind of first opened people's eyes. And th- when we first started talking about Google Compare... I can't tell you the number of comments that we got was like, oh, you know, that's nothing. People will never buy that, blah, 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 blah. And I think, I think that they're, I think it was naive of those people, and we said this at the time, to, to think that change isn't coming. But they may have been right in saying that at that exact moment, the, consuming, the consumers uh, in the marketplace, insurance consumers, were interested, they were curious, but not necessarily ready to make that leap. Now, here's, here's the interesting part, guys, and this is what we have to remember. Um, at, at a certain point, what you're curious about and what is just acceptable, that's always evolving. So what you're curious about today, two years from now, might just be the standard. And now you're curious about something that's even farther out. So we can't assume that because today people are just curious about some of these new technologies and new ways of doing business, like what Lemonade has going on with bots and stuff. You know, I think it's easy to take pot shots at Lemonade. And, and to be honest with you, the current value proposition of Lemonade, um, I do think is not in the best interest of consumers. But that doesn't mean that it will always be that way. And it also doesn't mean that consumers won't someday be completely okay with talking to a bot. There may come a day, and this is blaspheming, I know it, but guys, we have to have we have to go into these things eyes wide open, right? Um, there may come a day when consumers feel more comfortable talking to a bot 
than talking to a human being because they don't get attitude. They don't get uh, I'm overburdened or, or don't have time, right? I mean, we listen to phone calls all the time, Marty. Uh, how many agencies, they pick up the phone and as soon as they realize that it's a new business call, they literally, they can't get off the phone. They just don't want to deal with the person. So they literally just push the person off and they're like, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, that happens. If you're listening to this, you probably think that's nuts. But guys, it is insane how many independent insurance agents do not want to write new business. And we have the phone calls. We, We literally have the phone calls and have talked to agency principals before and been like, listen to what your staff is doing. Like they are, they are literally hanging up on new business opportunities because they don't want to deal with it, right? So, so I'm not, I'm not trying to blast anybody, but I'm just saying like when you deal with human beings, there's all these little idiosyncrasies that happen. There's all these little, you know, someone could be having a bad day. Someone's kid could be sick. Someone could be sick themselves. They could have just had a family member pass or something. You know what I mean? There's a million reasons why that equation could be, could be not what the consumer wants. Hungover. Hungover, yeah, hungover, geez. And, and, um, and with a bot, it's the same every time. That Five years from now, 10 years from now, two years from now, that could be the case. We have to be prepared for that. I, I, we are not going to go down uh, the political or, or economic rat hole yeah. Yeah, that yeah, this yeah, talks yeah. about, but I do, want, I do want to bring this up, okay? Um, one of the reasons that Detroit, back in the... 70s, 80s, 90s had such horrific quality problems. I'm talking about the auto industry was because they had exactly what you're talking about, that human fallibility involved. What has happened? They have replaced those people in many instances with robots who do it exactly the same all the time. Quality has dramatically improved. Yeah. It's, you know, obviously we're firm believers in the human being and what we, the the relationship side and the trust factor, all that is, is very, very legitimate. But uh, we also have to be aware that when part of that process, part of the human process is that we don't get to have bad days for our customers, right? It's a very hard thing to do and, and almost an impossible thing to do. But when a process becomes so, I don't want to use the word commoditized, but I guess I have to, at least in the perception of the consumer, that they, you know, they, they want to guarantee the, the, the experience, even if it's not as appealing as dealing with a human being, oftentimes they will choose that, that automated process because they know exactly what they're going to get, right? I mean, State Farm, even though they're human beings running State Farm offices, they're it's an automated process. They, they all ask the same questions. They're all wearing the same uniforms. All their letterhead is the same. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. That branding, that sameness is part of the appeal. It's part of the appeal of going there is you know what you're going to get. And, 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 and the tie-in here is not bots and all that kind of stuff, but it's just the, the curiosity of these products will eventually become the standard and the curiosity will become something else. And that speaks to the ever-evolving nature of products and why talking heads like Marty and I are always a few steps out, right? We're, we're talking about the things that maybe people are just curious about today, not ready to do, but understand that in the future, these things are going to happen and um, and in some way, shape, or form that is maybe unpredictable now. 
you know, there, there's, uh, oh, I'm going to tie this back to our, our, our tweet discussion earlier. Um, there's a little bit of schadenfreude in the whole concept that this woman who should have known better, right? Probably fairly wealthy, um, was buying her insurance through Geico. And now she's figured out the lesson that we try to, the brand that we try to instill, the brand value that we try to instill all the time is that having an agent to handle those things for you actually is a worthwhile spend. But um, long story short, she stayed with the tried and true and comfortable rather than potentially trying something new. I mean, she basically tried what she had been mark how she had been marketed to. I mean, um, I, I don't I don't know this woman, uh, but if she's a model, you have to assume that she lives in a major metropolitan area, L.A., New York, Chicago, maybe. Um, and in those metropolitan areas, there's Geico on the buses. There's Geico's on the Geico on the bench. Every major radio station in there has Geico. All the TV stations they pound those urban areas. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's why she, 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 now maybe she's a candidate for lemonade. It's very possible too, as lemonade starts to move across the country. Who, who knows? Um, but I think, so, so let's come up, Marty. I, what I'd like to do with this here is, uh, you know, last episode was very high level, very soapboxy. And that's, that's my fault. Actually. Oh, one quick update while we're talking. I did speak to, um, um, uh, our 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 rules interpreter for <laughs> Good. The, uh drinking game yes and he said that both bloviate and his he had another recommendation soapbox that those should be added to the game um as the no, hair okay. said often so, so, so can i can i do a brainstorming session on air right here i think what we need to do is throw up a page on agency nation that contains the official rules all right i'll, I'll work on that i'll work on our rules page um not that anybody who's listening to this should be drinking while they're listening because you all should be selling insurance. But um, all right, so let's come up with a few tactical things. I'd, I'd like to make this um, last well, so episode I, I thought was we, very yeah, I thought we were I thought we were at a perfect roll spot where you were talking about um, sort of blasting the airwaves, the buses. I yep. thought that was a nice transition to our yeah. to our next topic. Yeah. So, um, well, what's our next topic? I have no idea what you're talking about. Jeez, Louise, what happened to your short-term memory? Oh, uh, college. Talk about, we were going to talk about my article. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible radio. Oh, my God. The answer to your question is college happened in my short-term memory, and that's why I have to write everything down. Um, so... Yes. So Marty wrote this post and, um, and this gets into a little more of the tactical side of, okay. So we we talked last episode about this awareness threshold. We have to, uh, re we have to, we have to take control of the categorization of our business. Um, and then that kind of swung into today's episode where we're talking about how, um, uh, sometimes these new technologies push out ahead of where people are willing to go, but they're curious about them. That draws attention. Eventually, they'll pull in and be the standard. So uh, I think 
you know, what does this look like tactically, right? What what is the what is the day to day thing that uh, a local single location independent insurance agent could be doing to kind of to to take on these challenges? These are these are big heady things. I mean, this isn't just like um, oh, you know, you you should buy some ads someplace. I mean, this is thinking a little deeper about your business. And Marty wrote a really interesting post, um, provocative as always, called uh, "Why Independent Agents Are Losing the Marketing War." And I think a lot of it has to do with the topics we've talked about, right? Um, uh, Some of our larger direct and captive agents are willing to work in that curiosity space and be constantly kind of ahead of the curve, drawing more people in. They get headlines for that reason. Um, They draw the attention of people who are are, uh, disenchanted with traditional forms of insurance for whatever reason. Um, it gives them something new to market about. And it also allows them to, to continually place us in this categorization, which you haven't listened to the last episode. Go back, you'll understand what I'm talking about. To continually box IAs into this space of being, you know, pale, stale, and male. You know, the antiquated, expensive option for insurance, which we all know is not the truth. So, Marty, take us into this article and talk to us a little bit about... Um, about why you believe agents are losing the war, in, in particular to this article, and you can find this on Agency Nation, and um, and then let's let's get into kind of some of the tactics of of what agents can be doing today to start to fight back against um, against what's happening. Sure. So rolling out of our um, Seth Godin post, uh, you know, he sort of talked about the the buyer journey um, in maybe a little bit more detail but essentially um, sort of walks you through this point where, you know, you are unaware that you have a need um, and then you become aware and you start to do a little bit of research. You don't really know how to even maybe um, communicate what's going on, but you're just not, you're, you're un at ease, right? And so you start doing some research and then then you, you've got enough research done, you're in the consideration phase where you're beginning to weigh your alternatives, you're, you're, you know, you're finding out what the details of, of the specific things are, you probably can describe in pretty good detail what your problem is, right? I need a vehicle that's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, okay? Then you move into the decision phase um, where you begin to weigh the alternatives. Now you're really looking for pricing and, and, and all of this stuff. You've made, you've sort of narrowed the broad playing field down to a couple of alternatives. And now the, those are the alternatives where, wherein you are um, really focusing your effort. And that's where the, the decision is going to be made among those small number of alternatives. Um, in the past, all insurance was hyper-local, right? There was, there was no there were no insurance resources out there other than insurance professionals. You you couldn't, I mean, I suppose you could go to a library and try to find a book on insurance, but that wasn't part of people's shopping behavior. If they wanted to know about insurance, they went to their local representative. Because of that, um, it made sense for the marketing to take place locally because that was how the consumer was going to find the source 
for, for their solution, right? They go to the agency. If they like and trust the agent and the agent has something that appears to make sense, buy it. There was no shopping. There was no comparative shopping, very little, because there was no easy way to do it. You had to go to five different locations to get five different quotes. If you didn't go to an independent agent who might be able to offer you the five quotes while you sat there. Today, it all starts with awareness. And unless we, the independent channel, are in that awareness, in the, the decision matrix from the beginning, right? We've got to get in at least at the consideration stage. But the only way they're going to consider us is if they've heard about us in the awareness stage. So to, if, 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 if I walk into your office tomorrow and in my head, the two best options for my auto policy are the aforementioned Geico and Progressive, and now all of a sudden, Ryan, you tell me, no, Marty, you need to go with New York Central Mutual, right? Great company that we've talked about before on the show. I don't know New York Central Mutual from anybody. They haven't been part of my research. They didn't get vetted by me. And so now you are trying to sell uphill against my preconceived notion of it's either Geico or Progressive because I've done all the research and those are the ones that everybody says are the right options. I've been to their websites. I've seen all the cool stuff, the technology they've got, blah, 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 blah. You're in the uncomfortable position of having to sell me on something that is totally against the decisions I've made. And we wonder why it's so hard for us to sell in this new environment, right? My point is we need to begin to think about how we market at the awareness level to bring the so that we bring our potential solutions into the decision matrix at the top rather than trying to force them into, shoehorn them into the bottom of the funnel when the decision's already been made and we're not part of that decision process. Yes, and this is why last episode I went off the hook talking about 2017 has to be the year that we start marketing our business, right? Um, and thinking about it from a very tactical and strategic way, not just, oh, the yellow page guy show up, so I'm going to hand him 3500 bucks, and uh, there's this Google local advisor who keeps calling me, and I'm going to hand her 100 bucks a month. It's, we need to think about who do we want, how do we want to get into their awareness sphere, right? So what are the, some of the things that we can be doing? So let's, 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 let's talk about this a little bit. What is something that an independent, a local independent agent can do? Well, I'm going to start this off, Marty, before you give me a tactic, and I'm going to say the very first thing that has to happen, actually, there's two things that have to happen before you start marketing, before you start marketing, okay? First thing, you have to actually allocate a budget to marketing and advertising your business, right? It can't be that's money out of my pocket. You have to think about it and say, this is a business I'm running, not a, a, a personal bank, and I'm gonna allocate a certain amount of money, maybe it's one or 2% of revenue um, towards, uh, and there's all different, you, if you go online and search, um, there's all different percentages. I actually wrote a post about it, um, but it doesn't have to be a huge number, just, just a, an amount of money that you're comfortable with, a thousand bucks a month, what, what, figure it out, whatever that is and figure out how you're going to spend it. But you have to have money allocated or it's going to make the decisions incredibly difficult because every month you're going to be like, oh, I spent this much last month. I don't want to spend this much this month. Come up with a budget, stick to it, be okay with it. And, and that's the first part. Come up with a budget. 
be comfortable with it, but it's got to be significant. $100 a month doesn't get you anything. And if there is anybody listening to this podcast who can honestly tell me you can't afford $100 a month to market your business, your insurance career is in big, big trouble. That's the God's honest truth. You can hate me for saying that, but if you don't have $100 to market your business, you are in big, big trouble or you're spending money in the wrong places. Okay. Second thing, you have to track where your business comes from. This, we've talked about a million times, but you have to track where your business comes from. Every piece of business, not just digital, not just from marketing, but active referral. You asked somebody for, for three names and phone numbers, they gave them to you, did you write the business, right? So this is super simple. Where did the business come from? Did I write it, yes or no? I would, if, if I were an agency principal, I'd love to know carrier premium lines of business, right? So at the end of the day, I could have a chart that said, Active referral, I asked for the referral. Passive referral, one of my clients talked to one of their friends. Uh, an advertisement, um, my website, my Facebook page, banner ads I'm running, PPC ads I'm running, Facebook ads I'm running, um, the local little league, uh, the networking events that I go to. I mean, you could have 20 ways that you get business or you could have five. It doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter. But how do you get business and to know, did you write it, yes or no? the carrier you wrote it with, the premium that you wrote, or I think premium is a better number only because uh, there's so much, um, uh, you get different commissions, different carriers. I, you know what I mean? Just for this purposes, you could also track revenue, which if you want to track that number two, I think that would be fantastic. Um, so you could do carrier premium revenue and lines of business. There it is. Okay. So simple spreadsheet, just write each one down. It takes you 10 seconds. It takes you as much time as it does to walk and get another cup of coffee to, to add the spreadsheet. So can, I, can I throw one more column in there? Sure. I'd like I'd like a column on uh, the class of business because that that worksheet is going to be ultra valuable to yeah. beyond. Yeah, yeah, right? class so of business. The, yep. So when the marketing guy from the carrier comes in, you can say, no, you told me you wanted class X. Here's class X. I've written some with you. Yeah, class class of business, lines of business as well too. It's perfect. I, I love that. So more more information, the better, right? So, but trying to keep it simple. And 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 here's the thing. You, you create a marketing budget. You can even wait till the end of the first quarter. I'm completely cool with that. Wait till the end of the first quarter. But create your marketing budget. Say, okay, starting uh, April 1st, we're going to spend 1000 bucks a month, okay? We're going to use today, uh, January 13th, until, um, until March 31st. We're going to use that to track where our business is coming from and where we have the best hit percentage, okay? So, so just get an idea of what's happening. Do you get any business from your website? Do you get any business from directories or from Google Local or from any work you're doing on Facebook, uh, does someone call you in, you know, passive referrals, active referrals, all these different ways, get a, get a feel for your baseline. Cause once you have that baseline now is cause here's the thing I was talking to, um, I was talking to some, some people from uh, Hanover the other day about this. And the question was, uh, well, Ryan, cause I was giving them the same advice that, uh, their, their question was, well, Ryan, most people aren't doing a lot of digital, so they won't see it. And I'm like, that's completely okay. That's completely okay. The idea is that once you know where your baseline of business is, now everything you do with those marketing dollars and trying blogging and trying Facebook ads and trying whatever you try, right? I mean, there's a, there's a tons of different things you can try. Video, million different things. You can do referral campaigns with centers of influence and you could do seminars. You could do, there's, there's so much ways that you can market, right? Um, but once, once you know what your baseline is, 
now, as you spend money and, and resources and time and, and human resources out into these different areas and you, and you start to get business from those places or not, you can see a variance, right? You see the variance. Well, well, we're doing all these, we're doing, uh, these, these letters, these, uh, uh, we're doing hard mail, snail mail letters into the community. And all of a sudden our, our passive referrals are way up. Well, Maybe there's some correlation there. Maybe not. But you won't know if you're not tracking it. And if your answer is, I'm going to point at my head and say, Ryan, everything comes through my desk. So I know where the business comes from. <clears throat> Wrong answer. You are absolutely misinformed if that's what's happening. Well, because I, I, would, I, would go, I would go one step farther. I mean, you're, we all... Our memories are fallible, right? I mean, what is crystal clear today that happened last week in two 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 months? It's going to be fuzzy, right? I'll have general feelings, but I won't be able to specifically identify chapter and verse in the detail that you need. So, I I I just I'm I'm 100 with you. I just I just don't. We don't yeah, need no, I'm with you. Too. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's exactly what I mean, right? You, you are. There's also biases in there. If you have a bias towards, towards your clients giving you a ton of referrals, then you're going to remember those and not the ones that came from the accountant down the street that you play golf with, right? Maybe one of the, the, the. I'll tell you right now. The number one source of business to my wife's local independent agency is Centers of Influence. So that Carlos Vargas. A fantastic personal lines agent, uh, agency owner. Um, I think he's just north of Boston, but Boston proper. Um, one, of, one of his largest uh, sources of inbound business is, is centers of influence. He just has tons of great relationships with various professionals in, the, in his local market, and they send business to him. Right. So, but he knows that because he tracks it. And that's what's made him double down. You know, if you talk to Carlos, He'd tell you that he's done all kinds of stuff. He gets some business from digital. He gets some business from a bunch of different places. But it's been the work he's done with centers of influence that has really taken his business to the next level. And and he's a gregarious and great guy, and it makes a lot of sense. But I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna give one more fact, a, a a psychological fact. I'm off I'm off topic here, gang. So get your glasses ready um, on why your memory is fallible. We are hardwired mentally to remember positive influences and wins more than losses, okay? So where am I going with this? You're going to remember when you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this uh, special target market on, on marinas, and you write a marina account, you're going to remember that. When you write an account that that you didn't specifically target, that's not nearly the win because it wasn't part of your original plan. Okay, who uses this to the to the nth degree? Casinos, the gaming, the gaming industry. The way they get you to come back, even though the odds are not in your favor, and ultimately, if everybody did it, a, a, a rigorous cost accounting of their lifetime gambling receipts, they would realize that they're losing money. The reason we go back is because your pleasure centers get lit on fire when the little machine goes ding, 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 and all the cash drops into the cup. Yeah. So, so, you know, we've, we've gone really deep on maybe, maybe these are tactics. Maybe these are the first two tactics and uh, maybe, maybe the, you know, we're, we're about 40 minutes into the show, Mario. So I want to wrap it up. So I think this is what we're going to do. I want to close this down now. 
When we come back next episode, we're going to talk about, so we talked about the two things we do before we start marketing. And the next episode, Marty, we are going to talk about how we actually uh, put that marketing budget into play. So we're going to talk about how we actually put that marketing budget. We'll, we'll take, we'll take a, we'll take a, an assumed thousand dollar a month marketing budget for your agency. And we're going to put that money into play and, and make some recommendations on places that people can test. But the idea is guys, you have to have set that budget and put that money aside, right? You can't hit May and go, Oh, you know, I really, I, I don't feel like spending that this month. No, you, you have to put it in play and be persistent about it for a year. And so that's one assumption we're making. And the other assumption will be is that you are tracking your business and understand what business is coming from where. And, and here's the key thing about tracking too, guys, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know, who, who wouldn't rather put a piece of business with a company that they're getting 15 points with than a company they're getting 10 points with, right? So if you have business that you write with a company um, that only gives you 10 points and you don't really love doing it, but man, just when it comes in, you got to have a market for it. Well, what if you realize that that certain marketing or certain advertising methodologies got you more of the business that puts you into that 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 with that carrier or group of carriers that pays you 15 points? Wouldn't you want to double down into those areas so that more of your business went to where you're making more money with maybe more of the types of clients you wanted to work with? You only know this stuff if you are tracking where your business comes from. So um, gotta track your business have to stick to a marketing budget. That is how you break that awareness barrier that we've talked about these last two episodes and how you start to move people into what Marty described, the consideration phase, which is where we have to be. We have to be considered alongside these other options or we're never even going to get a shot. Amen, brother. Preach it. <laughs> That's all you got for me? I teed you up there and you just left me hanging. See, this is why I do all the talking on this show. Because I, le- I, I tee up and you just let me hang. We're out of here. <laughs>